In this story in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, we see something very beautiful about the Gospels, and that is that Jesus never really went around boastfully telling everybody all the time, I am God, I am God, I am God. But his miracles did that very thing. His miracles were there to prove that he was God. And so, again, we see a miracle today that Mark uses to show us how he proves he is God. I'm going to begin reading in Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Here, Jesus has entered Capernaum. It's calling it his home. I want to remind you that Capernaum is on the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 45, the verses just before chapter 2, we saw that Jesus had healed a man with leprosy. That man ran off and told everybody what had happened in such large crowds, it says, surrounded Jesus. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Amazing, the attractive uh, nature of Jesus. People were curious. People were hungry to see who this man was. So he's in these regions I've marked on here, more than likely in these secluded areas where there weren't any towns and villages staying there. So when he returns to Capernaum and comes to his home, it says that they, that's the people, gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Amazing to see that when the crowds gathered, Jesus preached. Jesus taught. I know there are many people who emphasize miracles and healings, and I believe Jesus still heals. But when you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus taught. The people gathered, and he taught, and he taught. Teaching is a very important part of Jesus' ministry. It's an important part of life in the body today. And so, as we keep reading, we see this crowd, Jesus inside, teaching, and what happens? The story really begins to pick up here. Four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So, what did they do? It says, So they were discouraged, and they went home complaining that God never does anything for them. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not what it says. It's not what it says at all. It says, so they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Now, I'm being a bit cynical because I think quite often this is what you and I would probably do. We'd see that crowd, we'd bring our friend, and we would go home discouraged, put off, and maybe for some of us wondering, you know, what we would do. Some of us, it might be that comment that it's always that way for me. Always works out this way. This is what I like to call the Eeyore syndrome. Eeyore is that gray donkey in the Winnie the Pooh series, and he's the pessimist. He's always feeling sorry for himself. So some of us might do that. We might see this crowd and walk away and be put off, but not these men. They go up on the roof of the home, and they dig a hole above where Jesus is sitting. So it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's as, it's as though they have... They have sort of calculated exactly where he is. And you're going to see they get this calculation exactly right. 
So up on the roof they go. And I hope you enjoy my simple drawings. They're meant to be uh, quite simple. I don't take myself too seriously with these, but I like the illustrations. I find it really helps in teaching. So they go up on this roof, they dig a hole, they lower the man on his mat right in front of Jesus. So I want you to see something here about the type of uh, structure that this roof actually is. And this word here is the word stege, which means a thatch of deck buildings. So it's sort of a, a almost a floor, you might say. Uh, the way it's worded is though something could actually be built up upon it. And yet what that this is, is to give you a little visual, it's a section of cross beams of wood and overlaid with a thatch roof. Now don't get me wrong, this is not a straw hut. Don't get that impression. In fact, for some people, they like to argue over what type of roof this is. There's a lot of discussion on this online. The book of Luke mentions tile. Book of Mark mentions thatch. The point is this. It's not a, a hut, a straw hut. It's also not a concrete building where they needed a jackhammer to cut through the concrete. This type of roof could be removed. It wasn't the easiest thing to do, but it could be removed. So if that helps you to get a bit of a visual picture of these people and what they did, let's get back to the story. It says they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right in front of Jesus. So there they go, lowering their mat. Now I want to take you inside the house for a moment. And I want you to see the scene inside that house. Here's this man lowered in front of Jesus. We have the four men that brought him along, and they are up on the roof. We have the crowd gathered around Jesus, and we have religious teachers who will be introduced to the story in just a moment. So keep this crowd in mind. Keep this setting in mind. Now we are down inside the house, and that's where the story brings us. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, I think this is beautiful. I want you to pause for a moment. You see that scene that I've got there. Jesus, the paralytic, religious teachers, crowd, four men on the roof. And I want to just put this in a simple way for you. I like to put on the coat and the sandals of the people in the Bible story. And I like to try to imagine that I'm there and imagine what you're seeing. So picture yourself as one of the people in that crowd. You're listening to Jesus teach. And suddenly there's some noise above the house as people are walking on it with a man on a mat. You don't know that, but you hear this noise. Then you start to see pieces of stubble falling down on Jesus and falling down on the people around Jesus. And you start to see the roof move and suddenly to be pulled back and not only pulled back, but then you see a few men peering through the roof. You see Another man on a stretcher with cords being lowered down through that roof and slowly lowered down in front of Jesus. Now, I have taught a lot before, and there are times when I'm teaching and there's a distraction in the room. Sometimes I notice it. Sometimes I don't. And I've come home from teaching before, and somebody has asked me, didn't you notice all that noise? No, I really didn't. There are times you're absorbed in teaching and you don't notice it. 
Did Jesus notice this? Did he stop teaching or did he continue to teach? In any case, I don't think anyone's listening if he was. Everyone's eyes are looked up at this sight. Everyone's ears are focused on the sound. They're watching the noise. They're watching debris fall and they're watching a man come through the ceiling. So all eyes are on this man. That's what everybody's seeing. But Jesus, it says, saw their faith. Jesus sees faith. He doesn't see debris. He doesn't hear noise. He sees faith. This is beautiful. As I said before, they could have walked away discouraged, but what did they do? They persevered. They pushed through. They didn't take no for an answer. They needed to get their friend to Jesus. How long did they walk? How far did they walk? How long had they been carrying this man? We don't know. It might have been for 10 minutes. They might have lived up the street. It might have been for two or three hours. They may have lived out somewhere. In any case, it was not an easy thing to carry this man. And they decided once they were there, they were not going to take no for an answer. They were going to get their friend through to see Jesus so Jesus could heal him at any cost. And Jesus sees this incredible faith. Think about this. This faith right here is the faith that we who believe need to have. Faith that's not easily put off. How many times is it that your faith can actually encourage a friend, lead a friend to Jesus like these four men? Maybe you are like that and you have a friend that you would like to see brought to Jesus. Don't give up. Don't be put off easily. Keep working on that person. Of course, be gentle, be loving, be patient, but don't give up. Maybe there's some issue in your life. Be like these men. Have the perseverance to push through and get to Jesus. This is what we would compare to Christian faith. You already believe, but faith grows, and faith grows through perseverance. When there are obstacles in the way, we learn to push through. So Jesus sees their faith, and then he says to the uh, paralytic man, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want to pause for one moment, and I want you to see how with one sentence, that one sentence, child, your sins are forgiven, Jesus is going to forgive his sins. He's then going to heal the young man, and then he is going to draw the Pharisees in, these religious teachers, to a point to prove something. With that one comment, Jesus is going to open up a lot. Now, I do think it's kind of interesting, too. If I were in that crowd and I saw this man lowered to the ceiling on a mat and I heard Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, I think I would be thinking to myself, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus, I don't know that he wants his sins forgiven. I, I think he wants to be healed. Jesus realizes that, but Jesus is going to start with his most basic need. You see, you and I can be healed. We can have God answer prayers, but we never trust him for something spiritual to be forgiven, something eternal, to have a home in heaven. So he's showing this man, this man has a much deeper need. It's something eternal and spiritual. And I want you to see what the word sin means and the word forgiveness real quickly. Number one, the word sin means to miss the mark to violate God's law, to be a moral failure. That is, God expects you and me to be perfect people. And we're not. Frankly, we're not. It may not seem like such a big problem for you and me, but for God, it's very serious. So our 
the fact that we are not perfect means that we have morally failed what God expects for you and me, and therefore we can be judged by God very rightly and very fairly and be separated from God in fire of hell for eternity. It's fair for God to do that because of our sin. The other thing about sin, you have to understand that the Bible says we sin because we are sinners. It's the most natural thing for us to do. Let me give you an example. When I was a young man, a little boy, living in my house, let's say that my mom baked a cake. My mom told me, Richie, don't eat that cake. Well, the first thing that goes through my mind is that cake and eating that cake. And so when my mom leaves the room, I go in there and I steal a piece of cake and I eat it. And as I'm leaving the room, there's pieces of cake on my face. My mom sees it. She said, Richie, did you eat that cake? And I say, no, I didn't eat the cake. I did two things, two sins I committed. Number one, I told a lie. Number two, I stole the cake. My mother didn't teach me that. She taught me to do good. But in my nature, the most natural thing is to do wrong. You're the same. Your parents never taught you to do wrong. You do it naturally. And so sin comes from within our nature. And sin means we miss the mark that God expects. To be forgiven, beautiful. It means to be free forever from the guilt and penalty of sin. To be free from the guilt, that means God can no longer hold you guilty for your sin. And the penalty, that's hell. It means that God will no longer condemn you for your sin. Forgiven means freed forever. Never again will God bring your sins back to remind you of them. Never again will he hold them against you. They are forever gone. You're no longer liable. Powerful concept. So Jesus has just healed this young man. Sorry. He's just said to this young man, your sins are forgiven. Now notice what happens. Some of the religious teachers of the law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They are thinking these thoughts inside their mind, inside their head. So there's no conversation going on. Jesus has just said, child, your sins are forgiven. And in this quiet moment, these thoughts are being thought. Is their thinking correct? That is, is it blasphemy? Well, only God can forgive sins. That's true. So they don't understand that Jesus is God. It is true. Only God can forgive sins. So if Jesus is not God, then yes, he has blasphemed. He has said things that are terrible, making himself to be God. But if he's God, then he can forgive sins. So these men are actually, their thoughts are not evil, but they misunderstand Jesus. And Jesus is going to take this moment to show them something. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and he asked them a question. Now think about this. No words are spoken. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Why are you thinking these thoughts in your heart? That's the next comment made. The people must be thinking, what? What happened? Who said what? Did somebody say something? How does he know what they're thinking? Well, he's God, and he can read their minds. He knows what they're thinking. Why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, 
your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So Jesus asked them a question, which is easier to say? Which is easier to say? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? It's easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because who can prove it? That's something that happens in heaven. That's something that happens in your heart. Nobody can see that. But what Jesus is going to do is he's going to show that something very easy to say that you really can't prove, he's going to show, he's going to prove that he does have this power by doing something that they can see. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now this is important. If Jesus says to this man, Stand up, take up your mat, and go home, and the man can't get up. It means that Jesus cannot heal, and it means that he also cannot forgive sins. But, if the man is now going to stand up, pick up his mat, and walk home, it means that Jesus can heal, and Jesus can forgive sins, and therefore Jesus is God. Let's see what happens. I think you know. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. So that man gets up and leaves. And, and this is quite interesting. Again, put yourself in, the, in, the, in this crowd. Imagine you're one of these people. This is a crowded room. This man now on his mat is going to stand up, roll up his mat, and sort of part the people different ways. Excuse me, could I, could I pass through here? Could I pass through there? Excuse me, excuse me, as he's stepping over people with his mat. In front of everyone, everybody watching, the onlookers, stunned. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Isn't that amazing? This crowd is amazed. Jesus has shown these religious teachers that he is God with the power to forgive sins and the power to heal. He has healed this man and sent him home walking. This is the greatest day of this man's life ever. If he has been paralyzed from birth or from an accident, this is wonderful. It's all over for him. He's healed. And so we, we finish this by seeing some beautiful truths about Jesus. Number one, Jesus can forgive. Jesus does forgive, and Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Have you been forgiven? Do you carry a heavy heart? Do you realize that even when you don't feel guilty, that you are guilty before God? for your sin, and that you need to have those sins forgiven. You need for God to tell you you are no longer guilty. I take away the power, the penalty, and never again will I bring those sins up. Never again will I hold you accountable. That's what it means to be forgiven. If you have never said to Jesus, forgive me, make my heart clean, then today's the day to reach out your hand and be forgiven of your sins. When you pray that, when you ask God that, he will forgive you. It's very simple. You ask and he gives. And forever, he will never again hold you guilty and responsible for your sin. That's beautiful. You need to have that time in your life when this happens. Secondly, we see Jesus can heal. Jesus is still active in our world today doing great miracles. I believe the greatest miracle is when he changes your life and my life. 
that's a miracle because we are a real piece and many of us, myself included, need a lot of change. That's a miracle. But God does many miracles and we go to him and we cry out and we pray and he is able to heal. He doesn't always heal, but he is able. Third thing we see is that Jesus has proved that he is God. This is important. Many people say many things about Jesus. Some say he's a good teacher. Some say he's a prophet. Some say he was uh, almost God, but not quite God. Some people even teach that Jesus was an angel. But the Bible teaches he was a man, 100% man, and he was God, 100% God. He's the Messiah. He's the one that we were waiting for, the hope of Israel, the hope for anyone all over the world. He's the beautiful Savior. May God bless you.